unlike the feds, we tell you that we're recording. And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> Welcome to the Now You Know podcast. I am your host, Anthony Carvello, along with... The C-L-E-M-E-N-T. Spells Clement. <laughs> if you didn't know. And today, and today, we actually brought a guest along with us. We've been trying to be a little bit more consistent doing the one-on-ones, but today uh, we brought in one of Winnipeg's finest rappers, Mr. Prairie Nielsen himself, Bazooka Joe. 204, formerly known as John Smith. Joe, how you doing, man? Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Let's and talk some shit. You get to talk some <laughs> shit, you know? Like, I, we were just talking in the last podcast, which is why I reached out. We were like, you know, we should probably, like, remind people about some of the older episodes. And we were thinking about, like, and your name came up because it was one of our favorite episodes that we had done back in the day. Because, again, just shooting the shit and, like, hanging out and, like, the other thing that is very different about those episodes, though, is like we all got to hang out in the same room, which is a different vibe. So like, you know, drinking, smoking you know, all in one room and telling uh, tales from the porn store. You know, tales like, from the porn <laughs> store. And the woodbine. I think there was a couple of woodbine tales in there, too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's been a really glamorous work life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. We're going to actually share that episode uh, to follow this one up just for cats who haven't caught it. Um, sure. Just to uh, get get a bit more abreast, I guess, of um, the transition from John Smith to Bazooka Joe, because we did cover that back then and kind of like the whole uh, journey through Peanuts and Corn, get hooking up with Peanuts and Corn coming from Thompson, et cetera, et cetera. We kind of covered that in the first episode. Yeah. But uh, this time around, we were kind of wanting to talk about the new thing because I had seen you uh, were on the charts hanging out with Anthony OKS, a couple of Winnipeg boys on the rap charts. Okay. Okay. Over at College Radio. And that was, I was pretty stoked. So I was like, you know what? We should talk to, uh, we should talk to Joe and see what's going on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. The record came out in October. <laughs> Here we are in January. And, it's, and I think it's a re entry, although I, I don't even know if I was, made aware of it the first time around but regardless uh it was like a cool thing to wake up to you know like to and it's and it's nice to have a little something to like put it back in people's you know put it back in people's line of of sight or whatever you know what i mean like i i, I don't do a good job of spamming and all that shit on social media Word. So, you know so it's good to have like an excuse like oh shit look at this you know we're on we're on the charts so oh yeah i made yeah, this thing it's really dope to do that beside anthony too so yeah very cool and yeah dope. both of your guys record came out a little while ago so it's kind of cool to see um it getting love even if it's a little bit later and honestly it's good to see that it's still getting love because like you said we came out in october and then i think things just kind of got dark in general <laughs> you know what a I little mean? bit like, your your party was one of the like highlights i would say of 2021 for me it was a good time because uh for those of you who weren't able to join us um joe put on a show for prairie nielsen the the release show down at the beer can and it was dope because it was like hip-hop came out you know it was it was kind of a cold day and it was late late october uh basically yeah the last day i don't know if uh the beer can was open another day after that to be honest kind of a chilly day but everybody kind of came out so it was dope to see that yeah it was like it was a gamble even to try it in the first place like i was literally 
doing research on what October 15th looks like year after year, like the temperature. <laughs> and based on that, I was like, I think I can take this risk. Like the, the, uh, the temperature range was something like, like from, from about 15 degrees above to about five degrees. And like, I was like, I think, I think Winnipeg could tough that out. If it's like, if people <laughs> know that they're, it, that they're going to like be home for the winter, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, it worked yeah, out. I mean, it was a cooler day for sure, but like Winnipeggers, oh, as we do, we dressed for the weather and we came out, man. And it was a good time. Like, like I say, I know it's a good show if I see like a few faces in the crowd, you know what I mean? There's yeah. like the Nesses of the world. Like I, I went to a rap show recently, like a newer rap show. And like, I didn't see Ness at the bar and I was like, I don't know if this is a Damn. rap show, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Where am I, really? <laughs> I looked around, didn't see Alan. I was like, "What the fuck? Wait, like, is this a rap show or not?" You know, like. Yeah. But uh, coming coming to yours, we got to see Alan, and like, I hadn't seen Alan throughout the whole pandemic, really, right? Like when when yeah. I run into him, but prior times to that, you you'd see him every other weekend at a show for something. Yeah, right? and. We're talking about my homeboy, Alan Lord, who's like a super, super dedicated music fan here in Winnipeg. I've probably known him for like pushing 25 years now. So yeah. like like we met when he was working at a record store downtown called Musiplex. And uh, yep. the deal with Musiplex was they just had a whole wall with headphones and you could walk up to it. There's about six albums per stack or whatever and you could just li actually listen to records or cds in you know, and tapes before you bought them and uh and yeah i was like i was the man at musicplex so um Here's the plug it was like yo can you put this one in this headphones yeah let's see <laughs> like, it's like i need to hear rascas soul on ice in its entirety uh even though this place is closing in 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> People are just vacuuming and giving you this guy, you know? <laughs> You're like, oh, I got two more songs left, dude. Just chill. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, we're we're gathered here today to discuss <laughs> Prairie Nielsen. Um, so it's your latest record. Last time we talked, you were putting out a record, too. It was the first one as Bazooka Joe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that so, was Schadenfreude with Rob Crooks. Exactly. Word. And we had both of you guys on for that cast. So we will share that one again for cats who would miss it. But now's the the other one with um, this time entirely produced by McEnroe, correct? Yeah. So this is McEnroe and I's first album since I think 2011. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's 10 years, right? Um, and yeah, you know, it was, it was good to, good to be back in the, in the cozy confines of peanuts and corn records, you know, like, um we had a little bit of we had two sessions the first one was for three hours at a at a very cool studio um kind of way out at the uh, mennonite university kind of in charleswood and uh we did like three songs in in like, like three hours and then i didn't see him again for like a year and a half or something or maybe he just happened to be in town and you guys yeah he dipped in maybe for a wedding or, or maybe just a visit or something and then the next time he came back the fellas at uh, umfm allowed us into their studio and that night we did like five jams in in a few hours and then oh wow yeah and then i did like when when COVID came around and, and shit went sideways essentially 
Apple just mailed me a studio like piece by piece in the mail, which then he told me how to construct. And then I just recorded myself for the rest, for the rest, for the rest of the record. And that's, that's, that was like a real dope part of it too. Like was like the experience of recording yourself without any confines on time or, mm-hmm. or uh, what's a better word? Like, you know, I never want to annoy an engineer. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to rehearse and go into the booth and know what I'm going to do. I don't do a lot of experimenting vocally once I'm in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah. Been on the other side of that, we're like the rappers in there. He's like, sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, it's, like, exactly. Dude, nah, it's, it's totally fine. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll run it back. So, so yeah, it was really dope. Like, it's like, it's me alone in the booth that I constructed in control of, you know, pressing the space bar or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah and that was like that was a really good experience it it makes me you know you feel a little closer to the record when you have that extra hand in it you know what i mean mm. have you ever tracked yourself before or that was the first time you tracked yourself first first time man like i've been really spoiled like you know one thing i notice when i like when i see new artists popping off it's like first off i i forget that i'm like 20 years older than most of these new rappers that i'm listening to right but um but it's like they're so multi-talented, you know, like like I, you know, growing up with easier access to technology, it's like it's like this dude's not just a rapper, he's like an illustrator and like and he makes his own beats, you know what I mean? And he runs like a multimedia company and all that, or he or he's like a Twitch streamer or something, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like because I was spoiled so much, I mean initially i did everything with McEnroe, and it was just like he was always behind the boards he was always in the booth if he wasn't able to be in town then honeycut would do it but it was always someone i knew and was comfortable with and and you know besides like little side stuff or whatever mm-hmm. but um yeah it was my first time behind the boards and it, it was dope i'd do it again do you what? think uh you got a different take like do you think you uh were able to get different things out of yourself doing it by yourself yeah yeah absolutely like I was experimenting with stuff like there's there's a song on the record called Carb Diem mm-hmm. and I kind of sing the hook on it um, more than like rapping it, uh, which is usually my style. I don't do a lot of singing because I'm not good at it. But uh, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, you're good. And, you're good. <laughs> yeah. And dude, it, it like it got manipulated later. Like I got I got, <laughs> I got a little help along the way. But um but yeah, so like a song like that where where it's like I, I don't even know if I would make the attempt to sing if if it wasn't me by myself. Like even with someone I was comfortable with, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with singing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, when I sent it off to McEnroe, it was like, you know, I gave him options, a lot of options. You know, I was like, I'm gonna go like high like fucking Pharrell on this one, and I'm gonna go. <laughs> like low 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 like scarface on this one and uh, and yeah i just gave him like you know 10 tracks or whatever and and said you fix it you know you do it <laughs> do what you do yeah do that thing. Yeah. yeah what what okay, was so. the uh what was the beat selection process like did he give you like beats upon beats upon beats and you just pick the ones you were comfortable with or is it yeah like yeah the process with McEnroe is he he's got beats right like and and because of the way that he makes his beats or rather the sound that he that that he has it's like it's it's very out of time like it's timeless you know like 
Mm-hmm. So because there's no like really trendy shit there, because it all comes so far out of left field, it never sounds dated or anything like that. So he's got hundreds of beats, you know? Yeah, like yeah. I, I heard him or I heard you guys talking about it and uh, he was saying like, oh, that beat from was like 10 years old or whatever, which is yeah. wild to think about. And like, but yeah, that makes sense. I mean, y'all have been creating music for, for some time, but how does that process go that you're picking in 10 year old beat? Is he like resending uh, old stuff or you had it been kicking around since time? And Yeah, I there's like they're kind of batched out i don't know how he does them it might be like you know he might bookend them by session or whatever but like um it's a mixture of old stuff and new stuff that he's creating and he just basically gives you access you know like i'll get a message and it'll be like just dump the new stuff into this file on dropbox it's called dids you know what i mean and then you open it up and there's 12 13 20 beats in there and um I mean, the, the other part of it is like you get attached to beats like like so there is um, there's a song on the record called The Prestige. Mm-hmm. It's like a really fast, hard charging beat. It's, it's really crazy and fast and, and aggressive. And um, and that beat in one form or another has been kicking around for at least 10 years. And it was like I was going to I was going to write to it. I, I, I wanted permission to go in on it and then i think uh windrush nestor windrush i think he got his hands oh. on it first <laughs> yeah so i love i love these i can see stories. i can see that i can see that yeah yeah that i'm thinking about that one yeah i can see it well i, I yeah i think when it comes to beats uh elliot and i both go for the weird stuff you know what i mean like we <laughs> find a, a little musical pocket in there that maybe other people aren't looking for i know for me you know, like there's just so much of an attachment to the music I grew up with in the 80s in, in the eighties and even going back to the late seventies, weird stuff, punky stuff, a lot of like a lot of you know, R and B that sounds like it was made on like a Casio, you know what I mean? So, so you kind of find you can find that vibe in McEnroe's beats. Yeah. Totally. But yeah. um but yeah, so Elliot had it and then I just I just think he just didn't end up doing anything with it. And so it slipped into a batch of just kind of other stuff. And when I, when I found it again, it reignited this thing in me that I was like, Oh yeah, I really wanted to get in on this, you know? And so there's a, there's a electronic music producer named Aphex twin, like, you know, probably the most respected prolific electronic music producer for the last 30 years. And early uh, in the game too. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Like been around in in the capacity that I'm aware of him at least since the late '90s, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, he's got a really famous music video for a song called "Window Liquor," and the end of "Window Liquor" breaks down into this kind of funky little so and so, and and that's what the macro beat sounds like. There's actually commonalities in the in the music and the way it progresses, and so. So yeah, so I jumped on that for the prestige, like, and so yeah, ten years it doesn't matter, you know, like. Um, good. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, it, it, a lot of those beats are like you couldn't place it if you're like, oh, when was this made? You like, yeah, you wouldn't, you couldn't. I have It'd no be like idea. Right? Two thousand forty? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's, I think that's really dope. Uh, for those of us who are not familiar with Harry Nielsen before. 
uh, doing this interview and doing some homework. <laughs> <having> some fun. <laughs> I've come to find out that not only is the reference of Prairie Nielsen, which now is like a genius title to me, by the way. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's a fire name. And like, I mean, to be fair, you've been like one of the kings of names for a long time. You've been referencing yourself as different names throughout time, yeah. over time. So, I mean, makes sense that Prairie Nielsen would, would stick, but come to realize also the cover is a, a reference uh, to Harry Nielsen. So maybe you can uh, explain a little bit for those of us who didn't know who Harry Nielsen was digging in. All right. So Harry Nielsen is a singer songwriter, um, pretty, pretty big in the, I believe late sixties and early seventies, but he's a regular dude from New York Um moved out to LA, had something in him, didn't know what it was, moved out to LA, he was working at a bank, and then he just started writing songs. So he's in that, you know, in that era, you would just like go to an agent's office and just show them your shit, right? Mm -hmm. So he went down to an agency, showed them kind of some of what he was writing, and they were just like, you're done at the bank, like, you're coming <laughs> with us, right? And so immediately he jumps like right into the deep end of the pool um and uh, the beatles hear his music and so the beatles call him up and are just like you're the dude you're the fifth beetle and uh and so you know he's he's starting to get big he writes or rather he sings the song from the movie midnight cowboy which goes on to be like a massive radio hit yeah, it's called yeah. everybody's talking wins an Oscar for it. And then he just kind of has the keys to the kingdom. Like he can do whatever he wants. So he was a pretty wild dude. He liked to party. And he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are the stories I, I came to, to read it after that was like, he was working with Phil Spector and all those writing like straight up pop tunes, Ronettes, all of that kind of yeah. stuff. And that's, I think how the Beatles started catching wind of this dude. And then, yeah, he does the Midnight Cowboy stuff. And then he ends up just hanging out, just being one of the dudes. And you go, I've gone back and, like, went down such a wild, like, uh, oh, I know this one. Oh, I know this one. Oh, this one's fucking wild. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, what's, I think, is it Mariah Carey sang Without You? That's that's a Harry Nilsson song, right? Yeah, he covered Without You as well, I think. I think that was, like, one he covered and... Oh, okay. been covered a million yeah, times. Maybe I'm mixing with, it up. Yeah, with, without does, you. Yeah, and, he does a lot of songwriting stuff on top of you know his own material or whatever. But like, but, yeah, the coconut joint. Like everybody knows that one. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sure. The lime and the coconut. It's been covered a million times. One is another joint that I saw. I was like, oh, this is wild. And like the way the strings build on one, you're like, okay, I hear the Beatles. <laughs> you oh, know yeah, what I mean, like I I can hear the Beatles. And then the story I read was him getting fucked up with John Lennon and getting yeah. kicked out of a bar and, uh, and then him blowing his vocal cords out. Damn. Yeah. Hanging out with John Lennon because he was going yeah. through a breakup with Ono and they were just yeah. you know, tying one on and, and making records. So I was like, man, this is sick. That's kind of yeah. lit. The, the deal was, was him and Lennon were partying for like two days and then there's an old timey comedy group that used to have a show on TV called the Smothers Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. The Smothers Brothers got kicked off a of TV for a political joke when Nixon was the president. Mm. So they 
the there was a Canadian comedian actually, and he made the joke that Nixon's face looks like the bottom of a foot, and that got them, <laughs> <laughs> and that that got him that got them kicked off the air. So they were getting ready to go back on TV, and they were doing a series of shows at the Brown Derby in L.A. You know to get ready to go back on TV, and uh, Lennon. And Nilsson showed up and heckled them so hard that they had to fight the whole bar. And then, <laughs> and then they got kicked out of there. And yeah, and then they, they did the song Jump Into the Fire, which is from uh, Goodfellas. It's the song that's playing when Ray Liotta's getting followed around by the chopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's a Harry Nilsson song. And so that song ends with like screaming, just like primal screaming. And him and Lennon both were doing the screaming and they basically were all fucked up. And so the contest just became who could scream the hardest. And at the end of when it was done, there was like blood on the popper stopper. And, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. And then the next day, Harry Nelson woke up and his voice was never the same again. Like he, he partied so hard that he never got that kind of beautiful, soft, voice that he has back there was a it was limited after that yeah wow like man's had a five octave like voice which is crazy for a dude yeah and then yeah the party's so hard with john lennon (laughs) (laughs) and he blew the shit up which is crazy (laughs) which is wild so and then in retrospect now i'm like yo perry nielsen hard ass name (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah so so yeah the the perry nielsen the name of the album is uh, obviously a play on Harry Nilsson. And then the album cover is a me kind of doing on and close as I could get to exact recreation of the cover from Nilsson Schmilson, which was like his big, big breakout yeah. solo record. And that's the one that has lime and the coconut on it. And, uh, and some use other more which I just checked was sampled by Tyga. If you didn't know. <laughs> You're in yeah. good company, Joey. Good yeah. Company. <laughs> yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure Tiger never left blood on the popper stopper. He doesn't strike me as like going that hard in the booth, you know? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Oh, man, that's that's pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, pre- I appreciate for putting me on to uh, Harry Nelson. I'm going to go down that rabbit hole because he's got a few joints down here that uh, sound amazing. So I'm going to check out that uh, documentary. That oh yeah, sounds... sorry. What was the documentary you said? Before yeah. we went on air, you were, you were mentioning there's a dope documentary as well. Yeah. If anybody wants to get into it, it's on Tubi, which like is like mad accessible, right? But um, it's called "Who the Fuck Is Harry Nilsson and Why Is Everybody Talking About Him?" and uh, and you get all those good stories about when he was wild, and it, it's just a great music documentary. And um, and yeah, as uh, you know, I got into his shit because. I really love and grew up on the Popeye movie. The oh, one with okay. Williams. And he did the score for that. Oh, dope. And then on top of that, when Paul Thomas Anderson made Punch Drunk Love, mm-hmm. the guy who did the score for that, I think his name is John Bryan. Later yeah. on, okay. he's the guy, he ends up working with Kanye later. Yeah. But he sampled a loop from one of the songs from the Popeye movie. And that makes up the basis of the score for Punch Drunk Love. And so when I saw Punch Drunk Love, I recognized the loop from Popeye. 
I put it all together and then went back and started listening to Harry Nilsson. And that was how I got back into it. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So that's what tied it all back and like kind of brought it top of mind again for you. Yeah. I, I saw Punch Drunk Love. We were on tour in Toronto and I think I, I think we played at a place it was called Comfort House, but it, but everyone called it the Discomfort House because it was like a gangster ass <laughs> spot. <laughs> and uh, and so we did we had no clue we come from Winnipeg, right? Like we're just happy to be in Toronto. And the uh, the deal was was the club had this hip hop show booked, and then at like one a.m. or or midnight or something, these house DJs were gonna go on and the vibe was gonna change completely right mm-hmm. but the show went late and like as the show like progressed like you know like one or two more songs in it was just like we were surrounded by like mad vietnamese gangsters like <laughs> like we are here to listen to house music and, <laughs> and and hustle or whatever you know like it was like their party not our party yeah, and uh, nobody and so, wants to listen to E and do whatever you're doing right now. Or yeah. you, e, and then yeah. do whatever you're doing right now. Yeah. You're they fucking like, up my business, dude. <laughs> they were like, wrap it up, B. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, anyways, I think it was that night. But once we got out of there, we drank pretty hard, and then the next day, we went to the downtown theater in Toronto to see Punch Drunk Love, and that's the first place I ever saw that served beer in the in the theater theater. very cosmopolitan experience for me and then yeah (laughs) welcome (laughs) to the big city (laughs) yeah yeah i needed i needed some hair of the dog so yeah so it was like had a stella walked in watched punch drunk love and like obviously it was like a pretty impactful movie because it set off this thing with with harry nielsen that continues to this day Oh, and kind of tying i guess back into the record king cake i think it's king cake baby where you make the references of like just being being an addict for music right like reading the the liner notes and like oh that's uh that's that i knew what for yeah oh yeah sorry sorry yeah right before king yeah cake. that was the, the single before king cake baby i think but yeah. yeah yeah that i mean that song's all about um the the like it was about the fact that we had to do work. Like it's not a judgment, you know what I'm saying? Like, or at least the start of that song recalls mm-hmm. like about how we you had to do some work as a fan of rap music, right? Like rap, especially in a place like Winnipeg, wasn't necessarily cool yet, and um, a lot of the music stores and shit, you know, they didn't give it, they didn't care about it, right? Like like the real mainstream stuff, you know. Of course, you could go to HMV and buy the MC Hammer tape or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's like if you're looking for like the UMCs or something like that, you got to go, you got to go looking for it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the early parts of that song is like, is being like, I'm, I'm listening to this music so much that like I listen to it as I'm falling asleep and I read the liner notes of the thing as I'm falling asleep and listening to this thing. And tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to turn it right back on, you know, like it, pick up where I left off. Yeah. Yeah. Like real addictive shit. Right. For real, for real. One of my favorites, I think, on the record is probably "I Don't Wanna" because the concept is. Oh my is gosh, like, <laughs> that one, con- that one touches my heart. It's <laughs> so crystallized, you know, and like, carried so well. Like I, I think that's like a testament to a lot of the the like peanuts and corn stuff. Like when there was a theme, y- y'all were really good at running with it, and that's a pretty great example of like 
oh man i'm in for the whole ride of like i don't wanna yes yeah. yes <laughs> yeah I was, I was listening to be like i don't i don't want to do shit either no i feel i feel this dude no for real yeah well like that's a that's a, a song where i didn't know what i was writing about when i wrote about it right like that's that song is about like when you break it down it's about like social anxiety and depression kind of you know like i don't want to engage in any of the social graces that it takes to be around people like that whole the whole first verse is just me being like you know i don't what it, what's one of the lines is like i don't want to take a doggy bag i'd rather take a life you know it's, <laughs> yeah, just, like, <laughs> like, it's like like this adult living you know and the social graces that accompany me I wasn't feeling but you know at, on the other hand I was also like having a really rough spot with drugs and alcohol you know what I mean so it's like that shit doubles when you know like when you when you don't want to show your face around your people you know what I mean like yeah, like that's, real. That's, that's intense right so that first verse is is just me like at the bottom just being like man i i can't be bothered to do any of this i don't even want to shower you know what i'm saying like, yeah, yeah yeah and mm -hmm. I, I like i feel like it's a very relatable verse being in the middle of the pandemic also like yeah. a winnipeg winter will do that to you, <laughs> you yeah I mean? like, yeah <laughs> yeah like you don't you don't have to hit rock bottom to identify with that right no <laughs> you yeah you, oh you oh you spent a winter in winnipeg yeah yeah you get it, yeah, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> you had this one line in the song that cracked me up. It was something like, I don't want to play ball with kids playing D. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to shoot hoops with kids that play D. Like, I love that shit because I used to be one of those annoying kids who were playing D super hard and annoying <laughs> annoying the grown folk. Like, man, I'm just trying to put up some shots, bro. Why are you full court pressing out me? Of my like, face. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, like some friend groups like really go hard like 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 i remember going and playing ball with people that weren't like necessarily my tight crew and like dudes were like fighting each other on the court and shit and it was just like man we never let it get that serious like we're not even attempting to play defense when we, <laughs> when we play ball just yeah let me get this shot up man. <laughs> you know? so that. yeah and it's like the older you get you're just like oh man i can't be bothered man you're not a, who are you auditioning for right now <laughs> right yeah we were way you past know? the nba yeah <laughs> ain't no scouts coming to the y in winnipeg yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. But um, but yeah, that one's cool because, and this is you know what you said earlier about the P and C songs, all all that early shit was like super hard conceptual. You mm -hmm. know, you know what yeah. I mean? It was like it was like one guy conceptualizes something and then it goes to the other dudes in the crew like an assignment, right? Like <laughs> this, is, this is a song about this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, and like, but I want is good because that first verse is very it's it's about an individual right and when you get to the second verse i turn my focus to like institutional stuff you mm -hmm. know what i mean like i don't want to participate in this process you know yep. politically or whatever you know like i i i, I don't want to i don't want cops fucking with me you know what i mean like all that sure. kind of stuff so like it, it it was nice because you know i wrote that in parts i wrote the first verse first i didn't even have like a hook for it we just put it down to to like have it as a reference yeah. and then later i went back and fixed up the hook and then wrote the second verse and it's like by the time we get to the second verse i've kind of pulled 
myself into a better place, you know, mentally. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and it's just like, okay, you know, like it's, it's easier to not be so self-obsessed and see the bigger picture when you're not in that funk, you know what I mean? When you're not in that depression. Right. And it's like, who am I really, uh, dissatisfied with, you know, like how much power do I wield, you know, like what, how much can I do and be responsible for? Right. So it's like, it feels good to kind of like turn the gun, uh, to an extent. And it's an interesting way to write from a concept point of view to, to be like, yeah, being first versus kind of being in that funk and like writing from that perspective, but then having that clarity of mind, but still being down to play the game in a sense. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh yeah, the, the, the rules have been laid for this song. I can still play it, but now how do I want to attack it? Right. Like I'm not in that same place. Yeah. Especially something so highly structured, right? Like every bar starts with, I wanna, mm-hmm. I wanna. So it's like, that framework is is there. You can't fuck with it, right? Yeah. So yeah, it makes it easier to go back and do a second verse. Like I like to in a in a perfect world, I'd like to get a song all done in one sitting. But once once the that initial energy and motivation leaves me, I know enough to walk away from shit. You know, it's like not to force it. Yeah. Like if I have that luxury, right? I've been in situations where it's like I want to you know, I want to get this in before this time or like I'm visiting someone from out of town or blah, blah, blah. Right. Like if that's the case, you got to push through, you got to get it done. But like left to my own devices, you know, like I'll put, I'll put a song down for a year, you know, and I'll just think about it. I'll just Mm -hmm. think about the hook for like a year and hear the beat in my head. And then it's like, when the energy's right, I'll sit down and I'll bust out the, the, you know, the end of the song because you know, that's the fortunate part of being dependent or independent is like, there's really no rules. There's very few obstacles in the way of deadline, or there's definitely nobody that's going to tell me like, Hey, this is a song that no one wants to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've got yeah. such a limited Where, audience. Where's the single? <laughs> where's the single? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never, never. Right. Like, <laughs> where's so. the radio record? Joe? Yeah, where's, where's the radio? I don't see, uh, I don't see McEnroe doing that. No club yeah, joint. Where's exactly. the club joint? <laughs> Man, every but, time I write a club joint, it comes out so dark. Like, <laughs> you would not want to hear it in the club. <laughs> the beats are hard, but the, the yeah, the lyrics are a little darker than that. But like to be fair, dude, the hooks on this, I like I don't know, I don't know what you're doing, but like these are Joe Frazier's level hooks, dude. Like I look at <laughs> right off the jump. I remember when I pulled up to the show. I was like singing it the whole day, like as as I was plugging in the speakers and shit for your show. I was like, oh man, this is yeah, some of that shit is very singable. Stuck in my head, dude. Like that's an anthemic one. And like I think you've done a really good job. Like not, eight, nine joints is to me is like that's the perfect because it leaves you wanting a little bit more to listen to. And then like yeah. in terms of flow-wise, like it starts with look it, which is like gets you in because it's such an anthem anthemic hook. And like who doesn't want to <laughs> sing that hook? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> And then you, and it kind of goes through a nice, a nice ebb and flow. And the stone is like, the stone has to be the end song. Like, there's no way the stone is not the last song. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I, I think Roddy's beats deserve a lot of credit because they are every time there's something, you know, like there's, there's no like throwaways, you know, they're all thematic. They all have their own kind of spaces 
or, or, you know, and, and maybe that's just the way I'm picking them. Right. Like I'm, I'm, but regardless, because to me, there's, they're easily definable, like, like, you know, this one's really hard charging and aggressive and this one's more contemplative and this one bops along, you know, it's like, it, it was really easy to like front load it with the high energy stuff yeah. and then transition mm-hmm. into stuff that's a little bit more reflective, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, when you, when you get to carp diem, which I think is like fifth or sixth on the record, it's like, it's almost like coming up for a breath, you know, like totally. And, yeah. um, and then, yeah. And then it's like, there's one more really fast, hard one. And, and then, and then we're going to skate out of here, you know, and, and yeah, like ease out with into the scene. Yeah. Show. And with, and with nine songs, that's like really easy to do. Like the first album that I put out with PNC, the first park, like setting album, like in that era, for whatever reason, people were just obsessed with volume, you know, like, and, yeah. and by that, I mean, like, volume there was, yeah, there, there were so many double CDs and like, and, and, and like half of that shit didn't need to be, didn't need to be done. Like it's, you know, it might not be popular to say, but like, what's, what's the, what's the woo album with triumph on it? Is that the W? Uh, Is that forever? No, forever. Forever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Forever's, yeah. Forever's well, that's a, a double album. Band. Yeah, great example of a double CD that could be a perfect single album if they, <laughs> they chopped all that fat off there, right? Yeah. And our first record, I think we had something like 27 songs Ooh. and we actually <laughs> knew the exact amount that we could get on a CD and like and did did it almost it in the last second, right? Yeah. But that was the result of us touring and and like being a unit for like i don't know maybe a year a year and a half before yeah. coming out but it's just like arranging a record like that sucks you know <laughs> like yeah yeah like, to have that same kind of like ebb and flow throughout is definitely tricky and i, I feel like we are seeing that again uh in this day and age of streaming where you're getting these records that are super bloated like you know 15 plus songs of like does it need to be 15 plus songs like i even the weekend just came out this past the week. deluxe and it was yeah it was just like more oh more like <laughs> <laughs> like and i think that's just the when you reach a certain point in the lay in the in the game there's like these pressures like we're saying where's the club joint we joke about that but i think that has become a thing in streaming era was like yeah you need long bodies of work right yeah and i i also think like because you're not necessarily purchasing anything people are comfortable with just being like oh here's a song with or here's an album with 20 songs on it there's five or six good ones and i just listen to those ones you know like as opposed to especially with something like you know tapes for instance you know it was just like i just play this thing the whole way through you know like and and, I'm gonna play it front yeah. to back, yeah. yeah. And whereas now it's like it's almost like a playlist situation. I was like, oh, here's the mm-hmm. here's a happy and fun playlist. Here's the sad boy playlist. Here's yeah, the exactly. you know what I mean, yeah. like, and you're like, shooting all these random shots that maybe don't even gel together in a cohesive package, but you know what I mean. It, they're all kind of losing. Something you got the something for everybody model. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Uh, from the from the writing perspective, uh, I, I listened to a podcast. Can't remember what we were talking about how sometimes you write yourself an email and you'll send it to yourself. Like <laughs> that's the only, that's the only way I write now, man. Really? Like, yeah. Like I got, I'm, I'm like 
gesturing because it's right over here, but like <laughs> I got like one of those giant, uh, you know, like Rubbermaid tubs with like almost every lyric I've ever made in it. And I haul it around everywhere and I get like scared about it getting damaged. I got to like keep it off the ground just in case it floods. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like a few years ago, especially when I was like living pretty foul where it was just like, I want to write a rhyme, but I don't even have like loose leaf or some shit. Like I'm just on someone's couch. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I just started writing in Gmail, just send it to myself right in it. It, it literally saves every draft, like every few seconds. So like nothing gets lost ever. Right. Like my only, my only fear is that like, Google is going to contact me and say they own all those lyrics. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just going to get a cease and desist on my own material. Yeah. Yeah. Larry Page is going to drop a hot album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's but yeah, for me, it's just the best way to, to, to have a hold of things. I mean, now it's a little bit more advanced. You know, I'll write everything in Google Docs now or whatever, but it's just like I've I've moved to a place where it's like, uh i have no money i own almost nothing you know what i mean like like the 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 coolest material possession i have is a very large uh uh photo from from like a, a photo shoot 20 years ago that a photographer friend of mine shot like um i i yeah i i have almost no legitimate economic or personal footprint beyond music so like that's a personal choice no fuck no it's just not having any resources man it's just it's just being poor man (laughs) (laughs) we just call that poor dude yeah yeah exactly i thought you were just on some minimalist shit out here no no i'm not uh, the hipsters have gentrified that i don't know if you know this joe (laughs) it's called minimalism now yeah billionaires are doing it yeah. yeah, no, I, it's more just like, like, go, you know, like, if, if my archive is just going to be in a cloud or whatever, or in my Google Drive or whatever, it's just like, all right, cool, man. Like, as long as I don't have to worry <laughs> about it, you know, like, we're... Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And like, honestly, Loki was uh, a super smart idea even back then, because everything is searchable. You're like, man, I had this bar about whatever, you could just search your email and like, it's call it back up. All, all the, I'll be like, honestly, I'll be like, man, like, like, I, I know I had a rhyme about Lawrence Funderburk and like, <laughs> like Lawrence Funderburk played for the Sacramento Kings in the late nineties. And the only reason I know about him is because he had beautiful hair. Like, <laughs> like he always had the freshest hair. Like it, he had waves. He was always cut up, you know, like. He was like dying it. Like he was, he was like, he was about it, man. Like he was like, like if you, you know, you know, remember G's to gents or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> okay. These are crazy if the, references. <laughs> if, the, if the G was Anthony Mason, then the, then the gent that they turned him into would be Lawrence Funderburg. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, but I was just like, I know I got a Lawrence Funderburg rhyme and I, and I was, because I was always already rhyming things for something else with those same like rhyming syllables. I think the yeah. word that I was trying to rhyme was Thunderbird. 
So I was like, oh, Thunderbird rhymes with Thunderbird. And so I had to go into Gmail and it's like, boom, Lawrence Thunderbird. It's there. It's right there. You know what I mean? That's so, awesome. That's yeah, so genius, dude. Do you, do you, like, in saying that, like, do you uh, kind of mishmash and, like, switch? Like, oh, you, I just wrote these bars from back here and you, you will pair it with rhyming words when you're writing something else later down the road? I'll, if 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 it if it strikes me, I will. Like, yeah. one thing a lot of people don't know is like, for three or four, maybe even a little bit longer years, I was hooked up with like the best jungle and drum and bass DJ in Winnipeg, and we had a crew called Herbs and Crumbs, and um, excuse me, his name's DJ Kane, and um, so. I mean, playing over drum and bass and jungle beats, I was always taking verses that I already had for, for like the traditional rap shit and like transferring it over to jungle and drum and bass beats, right? Just kind of finding and, new cadences and like flows yeah, to, to match. Exactly. Like, yeah. and, you know, once you've, you know, once you've done that and, and it, that was a big part of my formation, right? And it's like, it's part of the reason, you know, it, it was it was so rewarding as a performer to have people like wiling out while you were rapping, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're at a rave, <laughs> you're, at, you're at some weird underground party, you're rapping. And it's like, this is the closest you're going to get to like the tunnel in New York, you know, like, yeah. because, <laughs> you know, now you're seeing it in Winnipeg where the kids are like way more warmed up to like local shit. Mm-hmm. And they're used to like cheering for and wanting to be a part of local shit. But yeah. like back in the day, half of the crowd was your competition right they were there like mean mugging you you know <laughs> the other half were your friends so it's like you know there wasn't a lot of like really full-on wilding out going on so like at the drum and bass shows it was like that and you know that always felt really good but like yeah that that was a real education to get because that coincided with the start of me playing hip-hop shows we're talking 98 99 oh so there. you were doing that first oh yeah well we were doing them it was about the same time both okay. things were happening so wow. like so yeah so for me yeah the, like what will happen is there'll be a trigger you know it's like i, I was saying with the thunderbird thing right it was yeah, like yeah. thunderbird thunderbird i've done this before you know and then it just clicks like from years ago i did that and like that's the same way with you know, if I, if I know that I've got like portions of stuff, stuff that I've abandoned, you know, like I just got four or eight bars kicking around in my notes or whatever on my phone. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'll just use that as a Kickstarter for something, you know, like if, if, you know, so much of rhyming for me is like a springboard, right? This, this one leads to this one leads to this yeah. one leads to this one. Gotcha. It's not cold calculated thing. It's me following this string, right? Like, yeah. But, um, but yeah, sometimes it peters out and it's like, okay, now how do I kickstart this again? And and yeah, in that moment, it's like, if I don't have a clear place to go, I'll just pull up my notes to roll lyrics and it'll be like, yes, this fits with this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you're the type to like be writing at, at all times. Uh, yeah, you, you I, I mean. Before, right? Like. Yeah, I lost, I mean, when I was younger, man, like this is the wildest thing is like, the the one of the things that came with age is like, I'm able to slow things down a lot more as far as like my thoughts and my feelings and how I'm processing things. I think when I was young, man, you know, there was just a lot of like 
things are kind of washing over you. You don't feel like you have a lot of control over them. You know, like, like the first few shows that I played, especially it's like, I would be blacked out, not, not from alcohol, just from like stimulus overload kind of, you know, like, um, so now it's like with, with age, it's like, if, if I'm like, you know, riding around on my bike or some shit, you know, or, or, or like, you know, walking through a park or whatever. Um, I'm always freestyling. And it's like, when I was a kid, I didn't have the wherewithal to stop and take the good ideas. Cause I was mm. just like, yeah, it's just an endless fountain of ideas. Right. Yeah, but, not, yeah. but really what it was, was just like, I wasn't able to like stop, slow down, recognize this as an opportunity or as a moment of creativity that should be documented. Right. Captured somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you keep a notebook on you, you know, but it's like, it ain't the same as like a cell phone, which, you know, like the notes app, man, it's just like, it's just full of rhyming words, you know, like, what was that? <laughs> like the other day I was like, oh yeah, yoga mat rhymes with Doja Cat. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Let me write that down. I don't want to Doja I, I used to lose a lot of that. I don't want to lose that, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. That's tight, dude. And like, th- for those who don't know, like J- Joe's got a background as a battle rapper too. So it's like those, it comes through in the raps and it, and it makes sense that you would have these like pop culture references that you're just like, oh, I'm gonna, just going to take that and put that <laughs> over here and maybe I'll use that later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and that, the thing is you gotta, you really gotta nail them because, you know, it's, it's corny to go over the top with that. Right. But, but yeah. like a, really well-placed one you know yeah. especially maybe if you're exploring like some serious content is like it's a good way to let people know like hey man like we're still having fun here right like, yeah we're still cheek still yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might yeah. be a little heavy right now but like don't worry there's a joke yeah you know what i mean like exactly. yeah that's tight that's tight. i i i know that like mental health is has uh been like a big topic for you in the last little while um how, how would you say that this has helped her or um helped you process i guess some of that working on prairie nielsen this time around well i mean it was interesting like the process of of doing like like press for it or or you know like a the kind of rounds of podcasts where like you're revealing a lot of personal stuff it's just like it's kind of like listening to the songs again where it's just like oh man like some of these songs are like legit open wounds you know like Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the process of revealing what I feels like, what sometimes feels like too much can actually be detrimental, but the, the saving grace of the now is that, you know, I don't, I don't drink every day, all day anymore. <laughs> so something when i feel vulnerable or you know or when i feel shame or regret those are things that back in the day used to be too intense to handle and so they were dealt with with drugs and alcohol you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying mm-hmm. um and then it just becomes cyclical right and one thing i've been processing is like is how much inertia comes out of of constantly being in an altered state of mind to the point where like you know, you, every day when you wake up, you're you're not sober when you wake up. You know what I mean? Gotcha. From the gotcha. from the day before, and the day before, and the day before, and the day before, you you never 
get into a full state of sober consciousness. And when you do, it's usually accompanied with like soul crushing depression, right? Because when you finally get a little bit of clarity, it's just like, oh man, you know, like overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in a good place right now. You know, I have my faculties now. So um, it's not like the struggle ends, but it's just so much more manageable now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and and not being in an altered state of mind also puts you in a place where you're making more rational decisions, right? Like, so I took some time off like social media. I think I took like, I think like took like three months or sorry, three weeks or a month off like Twitter. Um, and it was like, I did it because I knew I needed to prove to myself that I could do it. But I also did it because like, you know, the last few years, especially the getting sober ish part of it, changing my relationship with drugs and alcohol has also been met with like the crushing fucking notion of like how fucking shitty everything is in the world today. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it feels like we've kind of crossed a point of no return on a few things, you know, capitalism and, and climate and the climate specifically. And it's like, I'm not going to pontificate on that shit. I don't, know enough about it to talk eloquently about it but like Mm. but it yeah i mean it's i think it's i think everyone's mental health is fragile right now you know what i mean and the difference is is things that used to really put me out of commission for days at a time are now things that i can sit with you know, sit with for a few hours, tell myself that I know this thing is going to pass and things are going to get a little bit better. And, and, um, and that's the shit that's, that's, that's the shit that you got to live for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The thing is, is like, I'm back at university now. And like, that's another great thing to have, you know, to have things to focus on, to feel like you're doing things to move forward. That's, yeah. the, that's the shit that I needed. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's yeah. the shit that was not happening before. Yeah. So. And then, like you say, it's kind of one of those cyclical situations where it's like you can't, you know, I can't start because I'm whatever. You're fucked up in the morning when you get up and or, or, or whatever. And you're talking yourself out of it before you even shoot the shot. Right. Like exactly. You know, like and it's because it feels insurmountable at the in those moments because totally. in a few ways it was, you know, like it took oh, yeah. so much effort to figured some shit out you know like someone without giving away too many details you know a few years ago someone really close to me OD'd and and then a few more people close to me OD'd and then not necessarily people in my tightest circle but like people that I knew and meant something to me were Mm -hmm. dying you know what I'm saying like especially with fentanyl right so so yeah it was a it was a long haul back, you know, like it was a, it was a tough thing to work out. It felt insurmountable because a lot of people before me didn't figure things out, you know, like, and I'm not saying that everything's perfect, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm stoked to be moving forward. I'm stoked to know that the people around me who care for me, like really care for me and I really care Mm -hmm. for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, I think that's a thing that happens when you get older too. It's like that circle tightens a little bit and it's like the right, and it's like the right people. (laughs) Your friends get distilled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, man. 
man. Like that's, that's a huge part of it. And like, yeah, like, yeah, I've, I've got to reignite some, some old relationships, you know, like, like take care of some things with some old friends that needed to be taken care of. And it's like, and they're back in my life now. And that's like a really big, healthy thing too. Right. That's good. Totally. So totally. yeah. And yeah. And the other thing is, is, <clears throat> is, uh, is talking about the shit, you know, like talking about it is important to me in the same way, you know, like I, I never shy away from class, you know what I mean? And the reason why I don't shy away from class, especially or from class when I'm talking, especially in, a, in something like a podcast is because like poor people are so rarely represented in music and entertainment, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, I feel like I need to say it, you know? And, and it's like, and it's the same thing with, with addictions and mental health, you know, it's like, I feel like I need to say this thing because uh, I don't see it enough around me. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't yeah. necessarily get it from the people that I'm interested in all the time. And, and it makes me wonder, you know, it, it makes you feel ostracized to an extent. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just feel like I, I want to put it out there, man, because representation matters. And like, those are two really good, I think, uh, examples of that situation yeah, of like, exactly. you know what I mean? We can see yourself in those situations. I mean, art school kids, I think is a pretty good example that's of, of my the favorite, class. That's one of my favorite joints <laughs> exactly. on that, on the project. Is it's art a good example kids. of the class conversation. I mean, a little on the nose for school, but we're not talking about school. We're talking about like economic classes. And that's like a very yeah. good example. I think of that, uh, of that in a song form, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because like, I've, I've, felt conflicted about that song because it's like I have so many friends who are artists you know like and exist in that world and it's like when I write a song like that I I need them to know it's like if you're even like half cool about all this shit it's not about you you know what I mean like, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, like even if you're just fucking half okay and not like a straight up classist dickhead then you're good in my books you know what I mean but like mm -hmm. But the thing is, is like, you know, it's just so prevalent, you know, and, and it's like, it's if, if you go by media, almost every opinion you get is coming from the top tier of privileged people, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, there is just so few, there's not a lot of acts like access is there, but exposure for people who don't have those resources behind them is 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 the hard thing to come by right yeah. so it's like even with just this small amount of attention and i realize we occupy a very small corner here in winnipeg hip-hop but it's just like you know it's there and i'm gonna talk about it man you know mm -hmm. no uh, yeah no i salute you for that man like I, I would say this is it's dope to hear you rapping again and i would say like some of the best stuff you've been doing dude so I look forward to uh, still sharp to man. what you what you come up with next. I don't know if you're working on anything new in the in the horizons or what that process yeah. I guess looks like for you these days. Well, we got we're pretty deep into a new park like setting album. So that's myself, Guy, and McEnroe. And oh. so yeah, yeah, so and that shit I'm very excited about because um <clears throat> we started planning it and we were like trying to figure out what we were going to do with it traditionally park lake setting is very concept based high yeah, concept yeah. shit right both albums um and so for this one i'm like 
I feel like if we go too high concept in these times, we make another Prairie Nielsen, you know, like we make mm. another album where it's like, this one's about depression and social anxiety, right? <laughs> this one's about class, you know, like all of those themes are still hyper prevalent and you don't want to make it like a COVID album. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so the way we conceptualized it is like, we're going back to like B-boy shit, like slick talking, you okay. know, like kind okay. of shit, a bit of a, like oh, a New York yeah. kind of bop to it. And oh, yeah. so, yeah, so I'm really excited and energized by it, man. I think we're about six songs in. Uh, which probably, Yeah, it probably puts us about halfway through it. So there's that. I'm working on uh, what is essentially a sequel to Pink King's Laundromat. Um, and so I've been kicking that one around for a while, but it's a storytelling record. So it's going to take it's going to take longer, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yo, man, I got we, we got a little space in the north end if you ever want to record i feel like that's that's fitting oh yeah hell yeah <laughs> i mean we're out here i'm i'm way out i'm yeah i'm in garden city now man so like oh yeah we're not far uh crab's running a little space argyle lodge it's like right by at the foot of the arlington bridge so <laughs> i hop on my bike i'll be there 10 minutes man <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's the i mean it's like 10 it's like what a five minute walk to pinky's laundromat from there you know <laughs> yeah man you know so a different a different yeah. bit took that space over but yeah. the original pink elephant pinky sign is still up on that outside wall so yeah. i'm gonna go i'm gonna get at them about that i'm gonna see if they want to part with that because oh, i'm wow. afraid that I'm afraid it's not going to be there one day. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, definitely like a, a nod. Like it's called Sudsies or something like that. Yeah. And it's like pink letters. So there's definitely like a nod to what was previous. You know? Yeah. I'm I'm hoping like when I when I put out that Pinkies album, I I brought like because I went and got permission from the woman who owned it. And Pinky mm -hmm. was her husband. Yeah. And she was like so honored by it. Like I brought her a DVD of the video and the CD and some clippings from the free press. And she just fucking bawled her eyes out. Oh, and wow. Yeah. So like I, I feel so much affinity for the place. And it's like, I've been watching that sign get weathered year after year. And then when someone else bought it, I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta see what's up, man. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Check it. Here, here's the, here's a quick one for years and years and years on Selkirk. There was a sign outside of business and it just said hatchets on it. <laughs> like it was the, it was the weirdest <laughs> sign, man. Like it was like it was like an awning sign, plywood, and it was just plain black stencil letters and it just said hatchets. And like mad <laughs> sketchy. Like Mad's and it sketchy. wasn't like apostrophe S, it was just multiple small accidents. <laughs> <you know? laughs> We got you. <laughs> and for years, I would go by that spot on Selkirk and I would be like, I need to take a photo underneath the hatchet sign, use it for a single, use it for an album cover, just something, right? I need to have this. And then I drove by one day and it was gone, man. Somebody Aww. somebody bought the spot. Somebody put a fresh new sign up. And I'm like, I feel a regret, man, because <laughs> yeah. it was such a bizarre thing, you know, just hatchets. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sounds like a good song title already. Like yeah, for real. I'm I'm pretty sure there's a Griselda single that's like almost the exact same thing. Like oh, I can't I wish I could remember the single, but I'm, I'll put it up on Twitter or some shit. But like 
when I saw that, I was like, oh man, I missed, I missed that. On <laughs> I missed that <laughs> <laughs> Could have made the remix. <laughs> That's funny, dude. That's super funny. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited, man. What, what was it that got the battery in the back for the Peanuts and Corn crew? Like, what set it off for you guys? I feel like everybody's kind of been a lot more active lately. Like, EI and Gruff uh, are just dropped or dropping something right away. I know they had to push their uh, their show. Yeah, that sucked. Um, I Honestly, dude, I just think everyone got a little bogged down with adult life. And like, and as a crew, it's it, as a crew who was together, like in your twenties and shit, like it's, it's just life, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like people get careers, they get wives, they have kids, they get divorced, they get addicted to drugs. Like, like shit just happens. Happens. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, especially with the pandemic, like there was a, a, a reconnection, you know, it's not like every, anybody was like fully estranged or anything like that but it's just you know you're you just don't hang out and make music all the time like you used to so yeah so yeah but but McEnroe definitely tightened it tightened the circle up you know like there was always material there was always working towards something but then he cracked the whip and he was like listen you know like we're gonna put these records out uh kill beat I think is the name of the PR company he's gonna rep them you know, like, let's fucking make some records, yo. So Roddy put out a oh. great record. I put out my record. Pippi's record is next, Pip Skid. Um, and then we got all these other ones, like, already yeah. kind of churning up, right? So oh, Man, it's a takeover. You guys yeah, are going yeah. on a run. They're I going, like I it. heard Ness is cooking up stuff, but like, yeah, I know Ness cooks at his own pace. But, like, yeah, I'm excited to see what y'all uh, what y'all are up to. And, like, from from – the generation, I guess, that came after uh, the Peanuts and Corn, it's been really great to see the, like, the resurgence. And, like, and I ask these questions because I feel like I'm in those scenarios. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm edging that way of, like, oh, sure. okay, you know what I mean? Like, okay, what, what lessons can I take from this? You know what I mean? So yeah. I definitely do need to sit down with Rod as well because I feel like there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of gems I can pick up. Yeah. A lot of gems I could pick up from that. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, you know, it's, it's days, days gone by, but like, you know, he, it wasn't just our record label. He was running a, 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 a distribution label in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, he was doing deals with MF doom and putting out, mm -hmm. you know, like putting out all sorts of like American underground shit up here too. So like, he's he's got a lot of skin in the game you know and like he he does well enough for himself out in vancouver that the the label doesn't have to be something that he counts on and that frees everyone up to just make the music they want to make you know yeah yeah so, yeah that's definitely something i've learned from watching from afar and like you know take take a lot of cues from like what he's been able to create over there so if uh, if I could if I could get you to put a bug in, in McEnroe's ear, I would love to talk to that man. At some point, I'm, so. I'm sure he's down. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, dude, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, I look forward to what you guys are, are we, picking up. Are we doing new and old or what? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do this. Let's do the picks. Let's do the picks. Let's do the picks. You got time? Yeah, we got time. I, All there's right. No rules to this, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll so let you go first mine? since you reminded me. I'll pull mine up as you get yours. Uh, you should have access. I don't know. Are you on a computer? 
Yeah, but I can. I got a speaker right here. Like, okay. Like, you want me to just play you something? Yeah, if you have like a little snippet, you can kind of talk a, talk a little bit about what you're bringing, and then we can play it out a little bit. And uh, yeah. Okay, we'll so I'm a little so bit nice. late to the party on this. Uh, this is my old. I'll, I'll do old first, and then new. Yeah, that do works. It? That works. Okay, so um, recently. I discovered this record. It originally came out in 1994. The dude who made it is from Ghana, but was living in Canada. So he self-released it here in Canada. Uh, it, it went nowhere. And then some dude who like is a collector of and a curator of African uh, tapes uh, re-released it in 2015, but it's actually from 94. Okay. Uh, Crazy. Yeah, the dude's name is Ata Kak. And it kind of sounds like uh, if you mixed like Technotronic with. Oh my gosh. With like. <laughs> Technotronic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, with like. I mean, I can't even describe the rapping because I think it's in like. Uh, a kind of a uh, Ghana kind of it's a language that feels like English, but it's obviously not all English. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like I don't think I've publicly, I don't think I've publicly professed my love for Technotronic. I hear a Technotronic track. I go crazy inside. Oh my gosh. That's the vibe right there. Ataka, that's his name. Got a long intro. <laughs> I could have picked a different one. <laughs> for saying i hear some mj vibes there <laughs> a little bit a little there, bit there's definitely he's definitely inspired by i would say yeah yeah you're talking 94 ghanaian canadian the, the the groove is just so groovy like it's one of those joints it's like it's hypnotizing you know oh, I mean? dog. and it's like there's 
portions of the record like I'm, I'm not gonna you know make i mean the song's like six minutes long but like there's portions <laughs> of the record where he really gets to flow in in that kind of like early 90s rap kind of way like fast staccato like oh shit and like combined with those kind of techno-y house beats like oh man so good so that's that's my old shit that's dope i'm gonna go to i'll I'll flip it to my new one just because i have it pulled up in front of me um i think i got the yeah i got the computer share so this actually comes off the new fk twigs uh rep uh, record it's called capra songs uh this joint is called poppy boys featuring shy girl it's got like a a dance hall vibe so we'll get into it and we'll kind of catch the vibe you can hear Let me that tell you yeah that can wine Poppy Bowling's featuring Shy Girl. It's like a dancehall artist coming out of the Jamaica right now. And that's kind of a little bit of a taste of what that record is like. It's kind of all over the place. I would say like R&B, dancehall, but yeah, cool vibe. It, it's like, like a high high concept record, right? I, I think I read about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all kind of like horoscope tied in type. type right, right. Yeah. I like, she has I like, match those. Yeah, I like anything that reminds me of like Patra and like that kind of like early Shakademus. Shakademus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we got that like wine yeah move, like i'm in all day you like, couldn't see but my hips were moving <laughs> well again, that was like, like that was one of the advantages of of like old like old rap jams in winnipeg was like every night ended with dance hall so yeah. like and that was the era for it too so yeah, big big facts. But yeah, this DJ finesse. like long, long like oh, oh yeah. yeah, DJ finesse. <laughs> I can't think of dance without thinking of him. Oh yeah, yeah man. Uh, I'll let you. I'll turn it over to you, Clem. I could I could stop sharing. You can take over. Okay. All right. So I have a. Um, you know, he's from New York, and I have an obsession. You know, <laughs> you know, we have a kind of an obsession with like New York rappers because, you know, 
in, in, in more recent times, they've had a lot of trouble, uh, I guess, like creating a scene, you know, yeah. really creating a scene until recently with, uh, with the drill scene. Mm-hmm. So I'm into that. So I'm always trying to find like uh, the next like, you know, New York rapper that, that satisfies me. And I found a rapper named 27 Delhi. Okay. From Harlem. Like Delhi, like D-E-L-Y or D-E-L-Y? D-E-L-L-Y. Okay. I don't know what it stands for, but oh, I think you have to allow me to share here. Okay. My bad. And to tell you the truth, I'm just going to be uh, honest. I, I don't, I don't love this artist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't love him. Like I, I, um, I think I found him a couple of years ago. I think I started following him because someone called him like the the next mace and i'm like oh <laughs> i love mace <laughs> he might have even called himself the next mace i don't know <laughs> and then i listened to it i'm like you ain't no mace and <laughs> but he dropped a song that i i finally kind of like uh it's on youtube and soundcloud i don't think it's on streaming services because there's a sample so just a moment here i think there's a kalani sample I think I saw, you see my shit? Yeah. All right. And so this song is called Pop Out. And it's a nice little ditty. Short joint. Yeah, it's a short joint. So I'll play the whole thing. Okay. I think they're going to like this one. Got a little bop to it. Yes, sir. It does. It does have a bop to it. (laughs) Hey, look. Okay. Uh. Word around my city, nobody is fucking with me Haters running mouth, thinking they could come and get me Why I ride around, feeling like a million bucks BBS rim sitting on the Benzie okay. truck 120 on the dash, my steering is shifty 21 and I'm just starting to get this litty Penny, my Cardi B, she from the P's She love my ghetto D, feeling like a masterpiece okay. Now tell me who as fly as me Who put it together, wavy like seven C's My closet full of double C's, G, C, D, G My BB Simon disco like the seven D's Wisdom on my face like I'm Kevin Gates Harlem shaking through the pressure like I'm K-Shakes Worth a Drake, cope all of my lovers take care Cause after fucking with the dawn, niggas don't compare That's like New York fly shit, man. There's not a lot of that going around right now. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm looking for. You know, I love bass and, you know, that kind of gave me that feel, you know, kind of updated feel, kind of Drake 40 vibes on the beat. But uh, yeah, I, I, I knew I saw something in him. It just took a couple of years for him to drop something. Nice. Yeah. All right. Y'all want to hear something new from me? Yeah, we'll throw it back. Okay, so this crew is called They Hate Change. They're from Tampa Bay. Okay. And uh, yeah, they're really interesting. Like flow-wise, sometimes 
sometimes their their kind of new flows sound a little bit like bone thugs to me like like almost like someone <laughs> i love bone thugs almost like someone maybe came up on bone thugs then you know like migos comes around and they flip the flow up a little bit and mm-hmm. start okay. triplets but then the the bone thugs ha- can't help but sneak through you know <laughs> yeah uh, but it's you know for me it's always interesting when rappers who are like really up on like the aesthetics part of rapping like like being dipped and like really styling on songs and and like and going for it like trying to make hit records right like mm-hmm. like it's always really fun to me when they actually make old school hip hop references so you know that it's rooted in the same mm. place you know yeah, as- yeah. like an asap rocky type like where like yeah. you can get the references still yeah exactly or like to me the craziest thing is like rick ross who like you know like everybody clowned on when that you know when he was like corrections officer rick and and like <laughs> on that kingpin shit it's just like he just kept talking his shit and now it's real you know what i mean like yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but while he does his shit like he's constantly constantly referencing rap that like his audience is not getting like like us you know older folks like me are getting it but i you know some like 25 year old kid is not like getting all the references that he puts out there you know, and don't I mean, know they and don't know who slick rick is yeah <laughs> they don't know who cool g rap is yeah and I, he goes deep man like it's it's obvious that he knows his shit right so that's that shit's always appealing to me and so in this song there's um there's a little bit of the uh one of the samples from let me ride in it but like in a very modern way and it's like mm. yeah just okay. dope play somewhere yeah that's that's the sample from let me ride from from the chronic from dr really Ray. oh shit. okay that <laughs> yeah they're called they hate change it's super super flash shit and i like it they hate change oh, from tampa bay dope. there's definitely like a little uh outcast like uh vibe going through it too i would say a little bit oh, yeah like like first album outcast for sure yeah, with yeah. the way that they the one mc was styling for sure Mm-hmm, 
All right. You want to take a take it back there, Clem? Yeah, I just came up with this. Uh, it's going to be a random little brother track. Oh shit. Uh, from a mixtape called Separate But Equal. Mm-hmm. Let me pull it up here. Uh, I know recently Little Brother just re-released their first album. Uh, they finally got uh, got control of it and own it outright. So if you're a Little Brother fan, you know, give that some listens, give them some streams. All right, so please bear with me here. I have to log into my title i can okay. i can uh filibuster for you uh organized confusion also just got control of their shit and now you can listen to the first two organized confusion albums on streaming services which are important rap records <laughs> yeah that's uh, a great everyone. way to put it, it required listening yeah <laughs> it's funny because like people only seem to know feral Monch and like feral Monch is great but prince poe the other rapper like is also like so, so good at what he does and uh and they uh, i think they did their own production too and even the beats are incredible man like oh, that's hey, yeah the second one stress the extinction agenda is like perfect I and i back. think there might even be i think feral Monch tells a story where they they had five mics and then the source like wouldn't give it to them because they were kind of like weird underground. Like, so, <laughs> They're like, no, nah, you're not jiggy enough. Yeah, there was some, <laughs> there was some Tom, Tom foolery and Sam fuckery at, at hand for that. <laughs> Damn, that's a rough one, dude. That's a rough one. If you need a sec, I could I could pull mine up uh, here, Clem. Yeah, if you got it, because I'm still searching. Yeah, no worries. I'll share uh, your audio. Uh, so I recently got into uh, Questlove Supreme. He's got a like dope podcast where he interviews all types of cats. And one of the ones that came up was Salam Remy, who um, I've been a big, huge fan of like production wise from, you know, the Fugees to the stuff with Nas. And like he always has the most smackinest drums. It's the best way I could put it. <laughs> he always <laughs> finds like the most hit you in the back of your neck drums. And so I was going through and listening to old uh, Salam Remy tracks and like old remixes. Cause that was another thing he was really dope at was like the remixes and come to find out like through that podcast, his pops was like uh, in at the record label, like was an AR guy did this and that and the third. And he actually got into like uh, where he could pull the stems out of tracks. So he has drum loops that like are isolated because he could get into the session files. Uh, <laughs> and so he's been privileged out since he was like 14, 15, 16 years old. But uh, this is a weird one I came across. That I thought would be fun to share. It's it's a uh, virtual insanity, which everybody knows the Jameer quad joint, but a remix by Salam Remy. That's got oh crazy. The mean drums on it. So, and you know, I love me a remix, you know, here we go. Magic. 
think we all know virtual insanity, but I thought it was cool to, to hear those drums over that and to know Salam Remy got busy over that. So figure hard ass New York drums, <laughs> you know, like he, he's definitely the king of the loops. I, I, I'm pretty sure like me and my brother Merv, like we're, I mean, we're huge Jamiroquai fans. We're from, from the jump. And I think we had a CD maxi single of that with that, with that remix on it. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if, if you were buying the actual like Jamiroquai when it came out and it had like it would have like two three remixes or whatever like yeah. those, that was the, those were the days <laughs> well the the maxi single was like the way to go in that era i remember like um when the roots when the first single from illadelph half-life came out the roots put one out with clones on it and i can't remember what the what the b-side was but they they all came with instrumentals and for me as an mc that was mm-hmm. like, that yeah. was what it was right so rapping over quest love drums <laughs> yeah i mean that clones beat whoa but yeah but yeah go ahead clem all right so uh my pick is little brother separate but equal it was a it was a, a mixtape by dj drama DJ drama and this is the <laughs> drama-free drama version. Free. <laughs> this is the drama-free version, so it doesn't have yelling all over it. Damn. <laughs> uh, which I like better. With Tyler. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> and um, yeah, this track is called Speed Racing, featuring Sean Don and Sky Zoo. Uh, kind of both kind of part of the bigger um, extended fam. Extended family. All right, so let's go. I'm just gonna step away, but I'm listening. I've been an originator. If my name's on it, I'm the creator. So on a day to day, I'm ducking from perpetrators. Haters talk a lot of nonsense, this, that, and the third. But when Sky get the stomp and they sit back on their words, homie, I ain't deep with that bullshit. You bite my style, you block down on some paid bullshit. I dry it up quick, I don't play with my music. If you don't got the heart or the talent, then you shouldn't do this. Everybody wanna shine, everybody spit bars, everybody got rhymes, and everybody click hard when the truth is. None of your vehicles is ruthless Having an imaginary burner can't do shit But I do what I do, move how I move My life's like a lost video from two live crew Still got the hood on smash So when I look over my shoulders New York is looking right back Slow down the speed racing Dudes keep hating But the minute we gone, we become their favorite Everybody tough, everybody talk flagrant But when the chips is down, nobody wanna say shit yeah. Slow it down, slow it down, slow it down, y'all Slow it down, slow it down down, slow y'all. down, y'all. Speed racing, dudes keep hating. But the minute we gone, we become the favorite. Uh, Fontag, I'm still sick with the homonyms. I say what up to your mans and your moms and them. A lot of niggas wanna take my place. Geek down, get the fuck out my space like Tom and them. I'm up in Chop Shop wandering. Hide the gang, got fucked up, sat back and assessed it. Niggas really think that if they ain't been arrested, shot or locked up, we ain't interested. That ain't all true, and that ain't all you. And if it ain't, ain't no need to lie about it. Just cause a nigga got the skills to sell dope. Don't mean he got the same skills to rap about it. I came to rap the true article, making every word, every verse feel like it was a part of you. 
I never mind about no robbing or thieving. Still got you niggas bobbing and weaving like barber school. So fuck haters and the naysayers. On the low, niggas is probably eighth graders. Cats that won't play us, cause they play favorites. In the long term, on my own terms, I make it Slow work. down the speed uh, racing. Dudes keep hating, but the minute we gone, we become their favorite. Everybody tough, everybody talk, play with when the chips is down. Nobody wanna say shit. Yeah. Slow it down, slow it down. Fonte is so good, man. One of the best to do it, in my opinion. In Did, my do opinion. you uh, do you listen to that foreign exchange record? Connected. Oh my god! I, I love, love foreign exchange. They have some of the most streams on the because I listen to them falling asleep and i just put it on on the loop (laughs) (laughs) that shit's so smooth i love foreign exchange i love it and that yeah their first their first album is is a classic to me yeah that one that one's uh ninth wonder i think right the speed racing yeah ninth wonder yep you see that uh that first jam there clem with a dude named dynas yep so dynas has a single i think it's probably from 2000 two maybe 2001 uh one side is called my biz and i think the other side is called urbanomics i think the a side is my biz the b side is urbanomics but that is easily one of the my most favorite most underrated singles from that from that early 2000s era crazy i gotta check that out yeah i think dj spinna produced at least one of them if not both so Mm -hmm. no shit yeah if you like that kind of shit it's really dope Yeah, there's a the first rapper you hear on this song and on the hook is Sean Don. Mm-hmm. And and back in the day, everybody was saying he was the next to blow. But, uh, you know, he didn't do too much after that. Uh, he's from is, he's part of the he crew. Too? Yeah, he was part of the Justice League. I think he's from the Bronx. He's actually he from New York. I think. Yeah, he was from New York. I think maybe the yeah. Bronx or Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I think he went to North Carolina to go to school and met. That little brother and to, those cats. His claim to fame was that he uh, he brought Crisis to the fold, who's like the other big producer. Right. Other oh, than Nice right. Wonder, out of that that whole. I love so, Crisis. Okay. So there was a there was in the early two thousands. I I don't want to get this wrong in case it gets anybody in shit. <laughs> but a member of the Justice League made. Friends with a girl off the internet from Winnipeg and came to town for like a week. Came Ooh, what? Yeah, came through my record shop and everything. And like, but the, like the white guy, the white guy of the group. I yes, it was a white guy. It was like a white Joe guy with Scudder? A, I, I, I don't think it was Joe Scudder though. But oh. like, yeah, I don't, I don't. I wish I could remember better, man. But yeah, she brought him by the bottom by the spot there when i used to own the record shop and i was just like i can't believe this guy's here just hanging out with some girl he met on the internet that is random yo the thing about little brother is they're really early on the internet you know (laughs) yeah that whole crew they'd be in your your local forum they're like um what's that what's that forum the quest love forum um yeah okay player okay player yeah yeah yep, that's where they clear. originate from H- hitting hitting you up on aim looking to get them tickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh you live in winnipeg yeah shorty i'll come through that's funny man oh my gosh super funny. sean boog 
Well, maybe, maybe Sean Bug of the away team. Maybe, maybe. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to get anybody. In <laughs> get nobody in trouble. He's probably married or something. <laughs> That's funny, dude. There's there's all types of. I heard the Beat Nuts used to be in town. Is that a fact? Like the Beat Nuts no. would be around in Winnipeg. No. Okay, so, so here's the science, and I'm I I missed out on all of this, and like the Beat Nuts, man, like. The Beat Nuts are so foundational to me, especially their production. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they came to town, I think, 2011 or 2012. And then their their next, like, two or three shows on the road fell apart. So they just hung out oh, in Winnipeg okay. for a week. So for, like, a, for a week straight, you go to Bar Italia. And uh, Psycho Less was just at Bar Italia for, like, a week. And, That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was out of town the whole time. I was like, oh. you know, that, that was like the Facebook era. So I'd go on Facebook and people would be like, I can't believe I'm hanging out with the Beat Nuts. And I'd be like, who the fuck are you? You don't know who the <laughs> are. Like, and I'm like stuck up here. I was so fucking mad. <laughs> That's funny, dude. Yeah, I never knew what it was. I thought there was some kind of similar tie some... Some shorty some girl, on the internet. Some shorty from Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's yeah. the only way you wind up in Winnipeg, in my opinion. Uh, some yeah. dude or some girl you met just dragged you back here, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, maybe girl. maybe he stayed for the week and then met someone and came back. Who knows, man? <laughs> Who knows? So. Oh man, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks a lot for bringing some pics with us. Uh Joe, that was a lot of fun having this you back. Fun, man. Yeah, and, uh, I really enjoy talking to you guys, man. Anytime, man. For real. And like, yeah, the, the studio's not far, so we should link uh, sometime soon, dude. Let's do let's do some work, man. Like I love it. I got uh yeah, it'd be great to get in there. I got some loops and shit I wanna I wanna put down. Like we can uh we can get in there. We won't make any money, but you know <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's no there's no money to be made. <laughs> yeah. Let's get let's get That's these songs. Let's it's get just, these songs, yeah, it's it's <laughs> fun and like you know we could be Winnipeg famous. Maybe we'll get a free drink somewhere, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll go for the culture. We'll be, we'll be skipping that line when everything reopens, man. <laughs> exactly. All right, G. All right, peace, y'all. Good to catch All right, you. Peace, peace.